Senator Ziono, can we at least agree that General Sindula's actions brought to light that there was an incident on Satos? An incident, yes. But this report reads like a child's fairy tale. Jedi, false Jedi, star maps, star whales, distant galaxies. Honestly, are we to believe any of it? Morgan Elsbeth was leading a coordinated effort by the Imperial Remnant. Objection! Imperial Remnant. Such a sensational term. There is no proof of any coordination between the scattered and dwindling number of Imperial forces. What about the conflict on Mandalore? Exactly my point. Gideon was a warlord acting on his own. There is no proof of a greater conspiracy and thus no immediate threat to this Republic. If Thrawn returns, that will change quickly. <laughs> if. I don't know what frightens me more. The possibility of what might happen or your unwillingness to see it. Once again, Bucketheads, Mavartigar, welcome to our 218th Senator Slamming episode of Mandavision. I am your host, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking the small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. Well, how is everyone doing? It is Wednesday, the day after the latest episode of Ahsoka has dropped. Part 7 is now out. And, uh, you know, quite the action-packed episode of the show, I have to say. But, you know, <laughs> the, I, I have some observations. They, they may not be everyone's favorite observations. But, again, remember, this podcast has always been about what Star Wars shows are instead of what they aren't. So it, it'll still have our, our typical... Uh, uh, our, 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 our signature <laughs> view at, at, on the shows and, and, and the episodes in particular. Um, how's everyone feeling thus far? Again, seven parts. We got one more to go in this season of Ahsoka. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that at this point, uh, if, in, unless we're not paying that much attention, we, we're realizing this is uh, this, this season as a whole is, is, is setting the table for something much, much bigger. And I'm excited about that because I suspect it'll be something that, that bleeds into uh, The Mandalorian for Season 4. It'll bleed into if there's another season of Book of Boba Fett, which seems unlikely at this point. We haven't heard anything about that in a long time. 
and and obviously to the, to the big Filoni directed movie that has been uh, announced as well to, to sort of culminate this this New Republic era, and this the show is putting those pieces into place, and this episode in particular is about moving those pieces into place to put <laughs> the, all the elements together, right? So it, it's it's not my favorite way of telling a story in particular. Like, I wish, and I'll just say this is like sort of my, my, my commentary, my criticism of, of the episode in particular, which again, it's a very good episode. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the, the sort of humorous feels to it. Um, but but with with rare exception, you know the Star Wars shows tend to do this, right? Like you get to this the, the second to last episode of the season, and again maybe with the with the exception of obviously Andor, but maybe with the ex- exception of the first season of The Mandalorian, you know, uh, or well I guess season two probably applies as well. But but that that seventh episode should really be setting the stage for more than than what we got from Ahsoka this week, I think. Again, this was about moving pieces around so that we have a big confrontation, but what it's not doing and what Andor did so well was it was every episode was was just steadily ratcheting up the tension, the dramatic tension uh, for that next episode so that that when you got to the season finale of Andor, you 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 know, you knew it was a powder keg and it was going to explode. And and by, and by and large we, we don't get that from this episode of Ahsoka. And that's not, again, not a knock on the series. It's just something I sort of would have liked to have seen a bit more of. Uh, the, the, the stakes still are, are still the same. There, there's no sort of raising of those stakes, though. Like, it's just everything's kind of like at the same level it was before. We just have our players in place uh, a, a little bit differently than they were when the episode started, right? So the, the conflict that will come in that finale seems a little bit more uh, even now that our, our heroes are united against the common threat. But there's still a lot to talk about <laughs> for, for things in this episode that, that we don't get to see and that we have to wonder, will that pan out next week in the season finale? So that being said, there, there's a, a decent amount to discuss. Uh, there's not a lot of plot to pull apart in this one because, again, it is, it is action-based, but there's some fun stuff to get into, and, and we will do that right now. Um, um, once we get past the particulars of the episode. So as I said, this is Ahsoka Season 1 Part 7, Dreams and Madness. Original air date September 26, 2023. Our, uh, 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 excuse me. <laughs> episode written by Dave Filoni. Directed by Gita Vasat Patel. I hope I said her name correctly. Uh, again, this person, wonderful job directing the action in the episode. Really, really strong stuff there. Uh, our primary cast this week, Rosario Dawson, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ray Stevenson, Ivana Sacno, Diana Lee Innocento, David Tennant, Lars Mickelson, Genevieve O'Reilly, and special appearances by both Hayden Christensen and Anthony Daniels. I'd also be remiss to admit uh, Iman Esfandi as Ezra Bridger. And another lovely appearance by Paul, Hun's, Paul Sun Hung Lee, as Captain Teva, Teva, always great to see him on the screen. Uh, Nelson Lee returns as Senator Ziano, who is, is proving to be quite the foil for, for Hera uh, at this point. Um, that's our primary cast this week. Let's get to our plot. Hera must answer to the New Republic while a reunion takes place far, far away. So they're really hitting, hitting hard on that one, aren't they? <laughs> but <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's 
get to the other side of our bump and get into the episode and just just kind of talk about it, right? You guys ready? You know what that means. It is time. Strap on your buckets and let's go. Grand Admiral, as you anticipated, the minefield was triggered by a pod of arriving Starwells. Among them was a T6-class Jedi shuttle. It would seem as a good time I was alive and well after all. Here's everything the Inquisitorial database had on her. Her master was General Anakin Skywalker. Yes. You're certain there's only the one starship? Correct, Grand Admiral. Our fighters have already engaged the target and pursued them into the debris field. Excellent. That'll be all, Captain. Withdraw the fighters and have them stand by. Why not allow them to follow? There's no need to waste our resources. With due respect, Grand Admiral, without pursuit, we shall lose them in the debris field. You're quite right, of course. Jedi are very good at hiding. They've been practicing that for years. However, we are getting to know our adversary. And if she's anything like her master, she'll be unpredictable and quite dangerous. Which is why we must control all variables. Put her on a path of her own choosing, so that no matter which direction she takes, we'll always be one step ahead of her. So I love that exchange between Morgan and Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, partially because, and a big chunk of it, I, I, I'll be honest, is like the sort of little look he gives to Morgan Elsbeth as as he reads that Ahsoka Tano's master was General Anakin Skywalker, which to me, this, this is a clear uh, nod to the Timothy Zahn Thrawn prequel books that came out, which saw Thrawn teaming up with General Anakin Skywalker at one point when he was still w with the Chiss, and... Later on, once he was a Grand Admiral for the Empire, teaming up with Darth Vader and then deducing uh, through Thrawn's uh, general cleverness <laughs> that Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader are the same person uh, and making Thrawn one of the few people in the galaxy to know that secret. Uh, and so I think, it, to me, he, he kind of gives this look to Morgan Elsbeth to, to, to kind of indicate to us, the audience, that he knows exactly who General Anakin Skywalker is and what he becomes. Uh, and, and so that changes his perception on Ahsoka, right? Like now you, you can only, you, Thrawn can only extrapolate that, that the, the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker would be equally unpredictable and dangerous as Anakin was in, in many senses. And I think it's a fair assumption on his part. So a lot of this episode from Thrawn's point of view, has to do with uh, stalling and delaying and, and buying time for his forces to gather up everything they need to depart for the main Star Wars galaxy once again. You know, they're loading up the Star Destroyer with all the items from the catacombs. We'll just call them items right now because we still aren't clear. I still believe them to be the uh, the, the bodies of fallen night brothers and night sisters and, and and maybe even some fallen stormtroopers that that uh, maybe died in in battle on that planet for for Thrawn and for the night sisters the the great mothers and um you know we'll wait and see we'll see I, mean, I expect that to be revealed to us next week in the in the season finale um it's interesting to me now again <laughs> let's it's it's you don't want to talk about what the star wars shows aren't 
you want to talk about what they are, but it's an interesting choice, in my opinion, that they had to wait for the arrival of Morgan Elsbeth and the, and the Eye of Sion uh, to pr- make their preparations, right? Now, maybe there's something to that. Maybe you can't remove these bodies from the catacombs. Uh, maybe there's like a, like a shelf life uh, that, that once the bodies are taken out of the catacombs, they only have uh, X amount of time before they're uh, not no longer viable to be revived by Night Sister Magic or, or whatever means they're going to use. You know, again, we're assuming it's Night Sister Magic. We've seen that documented in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, if that if the zombie theory holds, unless it's something else that we are not aware of just yet. It, it is interesting to me that there must be some sort of time limit or else why not just have the Star Destroyer loaded up, ready to go, and so that when Morgan Elsbeth gets there, you just, you just go up, take the Star Destroyer out of the atmosphere of the planet, hook up to the, the hyperdrive ring, and just get out of there. Just go. <laughs> but I guess that's not as dramatic as if... Uh, if there's, you know, there's a sort of like a ticking clock, and it gives our heroes a chance to to reunite and reacclimate and kind of get more involved in the conflict. Um, so that's that's a, that's a choice they've made. And again, there may be there may be a perfectly logical reason why they couldn't make these preparations ahead of time. Uh, it's just something that I was thinking about recently. Is like Thrawn isn't Thrawn's much more of a planner than this. There there must be a reason why he couldn't just have the ship loaded up and ready to go. Uh, <laughs> But again, I also wonder, like, you know, he's had, what, somewhere between five and eight years or so to hunt down Ezra Bridger and kill him, and he hasn't done that yet. So, again, there's a lot that we don't know about the time that, they were, that they've been gone. Uh, and and th- I know, I'm not sure they're going to be keen on really filling in a lot of the blanks right now. That's definitely something that we're not getting... You know, we still don't know what Ahsoka was doing during during uh, the events of, of Star Wars four, five, and six. So, y- you know, it's 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 one of those mysteries. And will we get an answer at some point? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, to be determined. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the episode though, with our cold open here, and we're we're checking in with Hera, having a meeting with with all the senators that sh- that told her not to do what she ended up doing, which was going out to Cephas, and and investigating the the claims of the star map and all these different things. Uh, you know, sniffing out the the Imperial remnant after the incident on Corellia, and, and now she's getting chastised. And as, as Senator Ziono, in particular, is interested in court-martialing her, busting her down into nothing. And Hera has that great line—the line that we've talked about in this podcast, and like I, I would imagine many other Star Wars podcasts have talked about too. It's like w- when there is a threat, this this New Republic will not be ready for it because they are are being willfully ignorant to the threats that still exist. You know, they are dismissing the Imperial Remnant. They are dismissing the rumors of, of Thrawn. Uh, all, the, all these different factors come into play. And so to have Hera finally vocalize that for us as an audience uh, filled me with some happiness. It was like, oh, good. <laughs> People are seeing it. People, you know, our, our heroes are, are, are just as frustrated by this bureaucracy as we are. Uh, and so it was really, really nice to have that vocalized. Uh, and then, of course, the, the the moment that I was, like, not prepared for, and it sort of comes out of the blue. It's it's a very Deuces Machina kind of moment. Uh, uh, you know, C-3PO, of all characters, arrives on, on hand to present uh, a, a, a data disc that contains information from Senator Leah Organa, kind of clearing Hera, right? Like, oh, no, she, uh, Hera was acting on my behest. 
and I didn't know you guys didn't tell her that she couldn't go because I had already told her she could go. And so, you know, it's it's it gets Hera out of out of the jam she's in. Um, and you know, again, it's it's very plot convenient, but it's also a nice reminder that that you know our 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 original heroes still have a, a role at this part of the at this point in in the New Republic, right? Leia in particular. We don't know what Luke's up to other than you know building his temples. Uh, we don't know what Han and Chewie are up to. Or are they off on their own yet? Is you know Baby Ben a thing? Or is 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 Han trying to be the dad? We don't know any of that stuff just yet, and and I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. I, I think I may have speculated that that if if the Ahsoka show and and what they're what they're, what they're kind of building to with Thrawn is any sort of uh, reimagining of the original Thrawn books, uh, you know, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. Uh, you know, I I would be I would be a scotch disappointed if if Han, Luke, and Leia weren't able to be a part of that battle in, in some capacity uh, in, in the struggle against Thrawn. Uh, I just, I know that obviously we're limited because, you know, we'd have to CGI all of them, right? Like, we'd have to de age them and, and CGI it and, and do all these different things that could rub people the wrong way. And and so, we, you know, again, it's a reimagining, and it looks like it'll just end up being our. our our cast from Rebels, which is great. That's fine, too. But it does sort of lead in something I mentioned before and sort of like the diminishing of our great heroes from the original original trilogy. But that's for a different episode of the podcast, and I'd like to have that conversation with uh, with a friend of the show. So we'll talk about that at another, at another time with a friend. Um, in the meantime, though, again, a nice moment. I enjoyed Captain Teva stepping up and mentioning the Mandalore, the Battle of Mandalore, and what Moff Gideon does, does there. Now, again, Senator, Senator Ziono turns that to his advantage. That is like that's an isolated incident; it's a one-time thing. Blah blah blah. That just underlines what I'm trying to say. But linking it to Mandalore and then kind of giving us a frame of reference for like where we are in the timeline—that's always nice to, to know that we are after season three of The Mandalorian. Because, again, you would imagine the events from this show will trickle into Season 4 of The Mandalorian as well as we cover this whole New Republic era. And, and again, the scope of The Mandalorian seems to be changing as, as you know, Din Djarin is not the titular Mandalorian anymore. There's, there's Bo-Katan, and, and who knows if that changes and expands to more Mandalorians uh, getting, uh, getting a little bit more face time moving forward. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see as, as the, this whole New Republic era kind of culminates, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think that's all I really have to say about that opening sequence. Uh, it's just, it was a nice way to see Hera get out of trouble, and now she's freed up for the coming fray, right? Won't be busted on the court-martial and, and, and all that, all that stuff, right? It, it worked out pretty darn well. So now we have to go back to, uh, Peridia and, and, and check in with our, with our, with our heroes. Again, this is an action-packed episode. After that cold open, it's basically action nonstop for the for the majority of this episode you know we, we cut to ahsoka and hoang in in this in this in the star whale traversing uh hyperspace to get to peridia and and we, we see ahsoka you know going through her lightsaber forms uh with hollow recordings from anakin skywalker so another appearance by hayden christensen as anakin uh and and i don't think that ahsoka is necessarily listening to these um as a reminder of anything like that, but just sort of as, as like a, a calming, a calming technique, but also a way to sort of remind herself that it's okay to embrace the the teachings of Anakin Skywalker, 
because that's her foundation is all that to begin with. And so sort of re-embracing that after her uh, encounter with him in the world between worlds. So we know that our star whales are coming out of hyperspace and as indicated last week and by the clip we played a moment ago, <laughs> Thrawn was prepared. He had mined with a lot of mines. Holy Toledo. He mined the exit around hyperspace where the, where the star whales would emerge uh, and begin, they'd begin triggering the, the mines. And uh, I was slightly horrified <laughs> by, the, by the scene because I kept thinking, like, oh my gosh, are they, gonna, are they just going to start blowing up star whales on the screen? Like, what's about to happen here? So when Ahsoka and Huang uh, exit their star whale to, to, to see what exactly is happening, I was rather relieved when the star whales just hyperspace out of there. Uh, knowing that they were in danger and then leaving Ahsoka and, and Hoang to fend for themselves. Again, kind of kind of rude in that sense, but I, I like that the Star Whales were not just going to uh, keep on their path and blow themselves up. That really would have bummed me out quite a bit. I don't, I don't know if I could have handled seeing a Star Whale explode on, in, in a Star Wars show. That would have been, uh, maybe that would have been a step too far for, for me to handle. I don't know what it was. I was like, oh God, don't blow them up, please. <laughs> but it leads us into some great space battle. We get uh, to, so, some combat around the debris field around the planet, uh, the, 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 the skeletal remains of many, star, many a Star Whale. Uh, all the tenets of Star Wars are, are in this episode. You have space combat, you have land combat, you have lightsaber combat. I mean, all the things happen in this episode. Uh, and so Ahsoka's going to lay low and try to figure out where exactly on the planet's surface Sabine is. And... Now we cut to the surface, right? So Sabine and Ezra are moving with the Noti, the, the little uh, turtle-like frog guys who uh, befriended Sabine and, and Ezra is living with. Uh, as they're on the move, they're, they're sort of nomads, right? Like they, they uh, you know, kind of a peaceful, nonviolent uh, uh, culture. Uh, and so they're nomadic by nature. When, when danger is afoot, they get the heck out of there. Uh, and so they're driving their little... Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what they are, like armored tur turtle shells uh, across the landscape. Uh, Sabine sort of fills in Ezra on like some very broad stroke things that he's missed, you know, with the Galactic Civil War in particular. Uh, I feel like she skirts around a few things, but maybe Sabine, maybe Sabine doesn't know all the details. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting to, to contemplate that aspect of things. But you would imagine she knows more than many just because of her connection to Ahsoka. But, you know, she gives Ezra sort of the broad strokes on things. And then, hey, it's time for more conflict. And that comes in the form of Balin Skull, uh, Shin Hati, and the, the, the bandits, the, uh, the, the, the marauders that they sort of encountered at the tail end of last week's episode that they were using to hunt down the Noti, Ezra, and Sabine. And so this, this goes into our next wave of conflict. But what's interesting about it is what Balin says to Shin and, and how he sort of cuts her loose. Uh, talking about her ambitions and how she needs to do this and then go back to be part of the new empire. Uh, so again, Shin and Balin are these completely fascinating characters that we have not spent nearly enough time with in this season. I, I still don't know their their motivations. You know, we, we clearly don't know their backstories. You know, I, I really would like to see how these characters came to be, how they came to be together. And like, you know, when he talks about Shin's ambitions... I, I need I need more. I need to know more about this. Uh, you know, we we talked about last week's conversation between the two that that Balin is, is seems to be searching for a power uh, on Peridia that will help break the cycle of 
light and dark rising and falling constantly that 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 continual cycle of oh that is the star wars conflict right and he's looking to break that but apparently shin you know and, and she sort of expressed as much doesn't really see it the way that he does and so balin cutting her loose is an interesting tactic uh and it also says again it says to me that we just don't know enough about these characters and that really really bums me out because i don't know what will happen next week to balin skull but by and large, unless they recast, then this might be the last time we see Bale and Skull. And, and, and that just really bums me out. I'm, you know, I am clearly referring to the passing of Ray Stevens. So unless they just do a legit recast, which is something that Star Wars has been averse to uh, for uh, uh, reasons I'm not 100% in, in alignment with, uh, this, this, what happens next week to Bale and Skull could possibly be his final fate. So I don't know if we'll get more clarity on his final fate or if it's going to be sort of left ambiguous uh, and, and never to be picked up again because of the passing of Ray Stevens. But yeah, I, I'm really sort of disappointed that we don't know more about these characters by this point in the show. Uh, I, I wish we had spent more time with our bad guys to get to understand them. Because again, they yes, they're bad guys. They're described as mercenaries. But there's something about them. They They have... Uh, their own sort of set of goals here. And I want to know more about them and what, what led them to this path in their, in their lives. And, and yeah, it just, it really bums me out that they haven't been more fleshed out as, as characters. You know, maybe we get more of that. We get hints, maybe we'll get hints of that next week. You know, again, Shin, obviously going back to the galaxy for the, for that main conflict while Balin appears prepared to stay behind on Peridia. And, and and search out that power that he's looking for. Now, does that, is that ultimately what seals his fate? Does his, does his unleashing this this ancient primordial force power, which could be Abeloth, could be something completely new and different, does that spell his demise by freeing it? Um, to be determined. We'll see what happens next week. But regardless, if that is the end of Balin's Skull, I will be disappointed. I want to know more. Give me the backstory for this character. And it's, it bums me out that like, I'll probably have to get it in a comic book <laughs> or, or in a novel, which, I mean, it's, it's, it's better than nothing. But, gosh, it would have been really nice for, for the TV audience who's not going to read the comic book, who's not going to read the, the novel, to have gotten that information via the course of the show's narratives. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, again, maybe they, maybe they course correct this and we get all the information we need on them next week on, on some hour-long finale that, that fills in a lot of the, the gaps that we have. But, yeah. And, you know, we got, we got another good lightsaber fight between Ahsoka and Balin. It was, it was very fun and enjoyable. Again, you know, that, they have that fight. Shin, the bandits, and then the arrival of, of Imperial forces against Ezra and Sabine. That's a great battle, too. There's good conflict there. The Noti with their little slingshots is cute and funny, but you know, ultimately, you know, it's ultimately useless. I like that Ezra wouldn't take back the lightsaber that he gave to Sabine. Uh, so he's just using his force pushes and pulls and things like that. I, you know, Ezra's not as uh, uh, prolific <laughs> with his force powers as I would have expected someone to be after being stranded for so long. You would imagine he just had all this time on his hands uh, and he could have uh, practiced and, and gotten, like, real good at stuff. <laughs> he, he, you know, he seems competent, but, like, not... Not uh, a, a masterful, uh, and, and, and I, I think that's sort of 
was a tad disappointing because when, when you know when he said, no, 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 you keep the lightsaber, I got this. I was waiting to see something really, really cool happen. I was waiting to see Ezra really show off some some force skills here, uh, but we didn't get that. He's, I mean, again, he's competent, he's capable. Sabine mixing up the lightsaber with her Mandalorian heritage, uh, you know, obviously relying on Besker to deflect blaster bolts, but still happy to use a blaster to put people down. Blaster lightsaber, blaster lightsaber. It's a fun combination. Sabine looks pretty, pretty awesome using those moves and doing all that stuff that way. Uh, but of course, they still get surrounded. The literal surrounding of the wagons, again, reminding us that Star Wars in, at its core is also a Western. So sort of a, a, sort of a, a, a funny little moment to see them kind of get rounded up like that. Uh, and then Ahsoka comes in to save the day after she's broken off from her battle with Balin. Uh, interesting stuff there. And uh, I want to pull up a sound clip just for funsies. So let's cue that up right now. Well, now, this is a surprise. Didn't expect to see you again. Disappointed? No. However, can't allow you to interfere. I don't have time for this. That I know. So I wanted to play that clip because I, it's great to see this battle happen again because Ahsoka Tano has a very different mindset going into this battle against Balin Skull. And the nod to samurai battles in, in other movies from, from uh, you know, Kurosawa on uh, is evident in this scene. Another, another great homage to the roots of Star Wars occurs in this in this opening sequence as they square off against each other. And again, Ahsoka's in this battle now and her, and her mindset is different than it was the first time around. So it's a more even-keeled battle. I wish we got to see more of it. Uh, there's so much happening at this point in the episode uh, with, with the battle that Sabine and Ezra and, and Shin are having against each other. And then this, and then everything's going on with Thrawn observing and dispatching Imperial forces. There's just, there's just a ton happening, so I, I would have loved to see more of this battle. But, again, what is nice about it is that when you compare it to the first time they squared off against each other on Cephas, uh, Ahsoka has a very different mentality now, and so her approach to battling Balin is also very different. Uh, and I think makes her more of, of, of a balanced, effective warrior. And it's really, really neat. <laughs> so, ultimately, she does break off from battling Balin because they do seem to be at a, a bit of a standstill uh, with the help of some air support from Huang she's able to disengage and ride off to uh, save Sabine and Ezra from the arriving Imperial forces and this is where Thrawn reminds us that th they didn't need to win this battle this was all about the uh, buying of time to allow them to do what they needed to get done. And let's just go ahead and play that clip so the Thrun can remind us how much better he is than, re than the rest of us. What a rare sight, almost like the Jedi of old. Recall the gunships, call off the aerial pursuit. These are unfortunate, but acceptable losses given the absence of Lord Balin. In the grand scheme of things, 
One might even call this first match with Tano a success. I see only our enemies reunited. Let me show you what I see. With our enemy distracted, the cargo transfer is now almost complete, which means we shall soon leave this forsaken place. Asokatano has lost the one thing she could not afford to lose today. Time. Time is very much on our side now, and I shall keep it that way. So it's not the final moment of the episode, but it's pretty darn close. But we get the reunion that we've all wanted to see. Sabine, Ezra, Ahsoka, all three friends reunited here on the planet. And, you know, I don't know what their move is. <laughs> I, I'm very curious how everyone's going to make it back to the main Star Wars galaxy. Uh, or, or, or do our heroes end up stranded on, on, on Perdia and have to figure out a way home via... You know, we can talk about Stargates in Star Wars. They have existed. I think they're called Hypergates in Star Wars. Um, that could be a thing. You know, if, if Thrawn departs and our heroes aren't on board, stowed away on their ship, uh, the, we, could, we could have to explore Perdia and, and find some Hypergates of old. Again, reincorporate some old legends, some old lore from the EU. If you wanted to go that route, you could. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to know what the play is here. I want to know... I just want to know. I mean, again, obviously there's going to be a big battle coming, but we're, we're talking about three versus the uh, Empire and, and the Night Sisters. Doesn't seem like good odds. <laughs> but, you know, maybe Ahsoka will have a trick or two up her sleeve. Uh, there's still a lot to be uh, settled here. You know, what is Balin Skull ultimately up to? Is, will, we, will we see him on, on the far side of the planet uh, uncovering some ancient temple? Possibly. Again, there, there's a lot of, of Dathomiria history that we could uh, reincorporate into, into canon as well if they wanted to go that route. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot that they can pull from as far as like old EU stuff if they really wanted to get into it. It's, it's you know, to be determined at this point. We'll see what happens. Uh, again, it's a great episode. I wish they had sort of ratcheted the tension a little bit more. Again, the stakes are just kind of what they have always been at this point. I don't really feel like they've moved the needle up or down uh, and, and made things any less important or more important. Uh, you know, I, I guess now it, like we, we run the risk of our heroes being stranded on this planet while Thrawn and everyone else rockets back to the main Star Wars galaxy to, to ignite a new civil, galactic civil war. And I guess that's what we're here for, right? So next week is going to be a huge week as we get the chance to see how this all shakes out and we will have those massive, massive discussions. And hopefully after next week, we will have a, like an ultimate wrap-up episode. We'll have a friend come on to join us and, and get to have a real conversation about everything that, that has happened in this series. Because, um, you know, my concerns about, about the pacing and some of the choices they made with Ahsoka in the early parts of the season aside, uh, what they're doing is, is they're really – this whole season in particular is, is setting the table for – a lot of Star Wars to come, you know, like the next phase of this New Republic era is is, is hinging on, on what happens next in, in, in this final episode for season one of Ahsoka. So I'm very excited. I'm very intrigued by all of it, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, this episode gets eight and a half buckets. 
you know, despite my, my concerns and my criticisms of, of, the, of it not ratcheting up dramatic tension enough, it's still a great episode. It's, it's fun. It hits all the main Star Wars notes. It's another reminder that Dave Filoni is probably the most, uh, the, the Star Wars creator most uh, aligned with George Lucas's vision of Star Wars and, and sort of his feel for the action comedy balance uh, and, and, and homaging, homaging? Paying homage, paying respects to the films that inspired Lucas, the, the 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 genres that inspired Lucas, westerns and samurai movies, and all those different things, World War II movies. So, uh, another reminder that that Filoni is 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 probably the most aligned with with Lucas's vision. Like we none of like none of us really need that reminder. We all know that intrinsically as as longtime Star Wars fans. But if you want to point that out to new audience members. That might be a selling point. Like, well, this is the closest you're going to get to George Lucas ever doing Star Wars again. Maybe that sells the money. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see. <laughs> you have to let me know how that shakes out. <laughs> but yeah, eight, eight and a half buckets. My, I got some concerns. I, I, I really, uh, I'm really, really worried we're not going to get the backstories for Shin and 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 Balin before the end of the season. Uh, and and the, the 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 passing of Ray Stevens makes me very concerned that next week might be the last time we see Balin Skull on on screen. Uh, we'll see. We'll talk about that some more as it happens. I got nothing else for you guys. Great episode today. I'm going to rewatch it later today. Uh, I'm excited because, again, there's a lot going on. It's a lot of action, a lot of fun stuff in here. So so I, I definitely encourage all of you to rewatch it again as well. There's a lot happening. There's a lot to, 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 to enjoy visually. It's a very this, this episode is Star Wars visual spectacle at its best. So take advantage of that and check it out again. And get ready for what I hope will be an insanely awesome season finale next week. Uh, <laughs> and with that being said, this is the Mandivision Podcast. I am your host, Nargai Tom. And I thank you so much for checking out our small independent Star Wars podcast here. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. People who take the time to, to, to listen to Mandivision are instantly members of Buckethead Nation. And we truly appreciate you being here. And, and we hope you stick around forever and ever and ever. The best way to reach out to us is on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Please email the show at MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. If you want to hit me up with your long-form thoughts, opinions, and ideas, love to hear them. Uh, make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing this podcast with all the Mandalorians in your covert. And if you're inclined and your, your, your favorite podcasting, podcasting platform allows it, sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews. They help the independent podcast like us stand out, not get lost between in the space between galaxies, lost for all time. So truly, truly appreciate that. Uh, Buckethead Nation continue to be excellent Star Wars fans to new and old fans alike. We're the best. You're the best. I don't want to let myself into that. I'm not the best. I'm okay. You're the best. So <laughs> we'll be back next week to wrap up this season, but maybe not wrap up our, doc, our talk about Ahsoka because I'd love to have a friend on soon. Wink, wink. <laughs> all right. All right, Bucketheads. This podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. <laughs>